Thank you. Everybody here that's on site and those of you who are online, thank you uh, for taking part today in our worship celebration. Well, this is not news. If you've, not, if you've been watching the news, you're aware of this. If, you, if you're alive, you're aware of this. Our world is broken. Our world is broken. Uh, on a global scale, we see wars, rumors of wars. We call, so we see calls for genocide and revenge. We see uh, famines, sickness, disease, uh, ethnic, religious hatred, um, all kinds of tension, all kinds of uh, all kinds of scary stuff. On a national scale, at least in our nation, I'm pretty sure it's probably the same in other nations. There's political division. Uh, there's a refusal to work together. Can't work with them. They're in the other party. Therefore, nothing ever is ever going to get done. There's a culture war going on. With I get really, I have to be honest with you, I get a little nervous when I hear people talking about, well, this may never get solved until we have another civil war. Okay, now that's just, uh, that's one of those times when I think somebody needs to take somebody out behind the barn or the woodshed or something, wherever they, or, you know, somebody needs to pull over and take their flip-flop and discipline some people. I, <laughs> Civil war is never the answer to any problem. Uh, problem that just never mind. There's economic chaos. There's growing debt, national and uh, otherwise. There's inflation. There's threats of governmental shutdown because we want to make sure we get our way and not them, their way. And so we're going to threaten to cut everybody's. You know, shut down the government when everybody knows good and well you can't afford to shut down the government because nobody will get you back in office and everybody knows that the one thing you want is to get back in office. <sighs> uh, on the level of families and individuals, there's climbing rates of addiction and divorce and abuse and depression and mental illness and suicide each of these destructive symptoms grows in the soil, though, of lies <coughs> that cut us off from experiencing God's holy love. And that's what we're all hungry for. We may not know it. We may not realize it. We may uh, be completely blind to it. But the reason our world is broken, globally, nationally, in our families and in our personal lives, the reason our, our world is broken is because we've cut ourselves off from God's holy love because we believed all kinds of lies. We believe them now. One of the terms that uh, the writers of the Bible use for the brokenness of our world is sin. Now, it's a word that is kind of loaded and so I, I, it's, it, we, we kind of load it merely as breaking rules. And it is 
partially breaking rules, but that's part of the lies that we believe. Sin is more than breaking rules. It's breaking us. You know, it's like the, the rules are kind of like don't play in the street because you might get hit by a car. Reminds me of a discussion I had with children. Yes, they were my genetic offspring. <laughs> and I was told, well, we've not been hit by a car yet. So it's okay, basically. That was the implication. It's okay to play in the street because we've not been hit by a car yet. To which I replied, yes, I know. That's because you're still alive. Oh. Then they saw the reason I said, don't play in the street. You might get hit by a car. Maybe it's a better idea to stay out of the street because cars might hurt you badly and kill you. Yes. Um, sin, sin, sin is this about brokenness. And all of us carry inside of us a, a, like a cancer of of brokenness and sin and death in our souls. And, and we really don't have to go far in the history of humanity and our own histories to see that it's grown and metastasized all throughout <laughs> this world and our generations. Um, I, I'm just going to do this. I don't do this often, but I'm going to take you back to the very beginning. And, well, almost to the very beginning, Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, the very first three lies that we as a human race believe go like this. God lied to you, so don't trust him. That was the very first lie that we believe as, as human beings. God lied to you. Second one is, you can know what's good for you and destruct what's destructive for you without God's help. And the third one is doing what God said not to do won't hurt you. See, that's what he lied to you about. It will actually help you grow. Okay, so just I'm going to take this back a little bit to that construct that thing about playing in the street because cars might hit you. So the, the, the lie we believed in the garden was go ahead and play in the street because if you get by a car, it won't hurt you. It will actually make you better. Now, don't we feel stupid? <laughs> I do. But those are, the those are the three lies that we believe. We believe that God lied to us. We believe that we, we can figure out on our own without God's help what is destructive and what's good for us. And that doing what God says not to do would actually be good for us. And all of the problems that we see going on around us in this world stem from lies like those that have grown out of those lies and have come and compounded by those lies. And every one of them, this world is broken because we believe falsehoods and lies. God's response to our brokenness from the very beginning, has always been to reveal to us the truth 
and do his very best to reveal and reveal the truth and replace our brokenness with wholeness. That's that's what he's God has always been doing from the very beginning and trying to okay no it's like God is okay let's talk about this so that that thing I told you about not doing because it wasn't going to be good for you and you said oh actually I think it will be good for me how's that working out for you Did I lie to you? Well, we didn't drop dead immediately. True. Was it that kind of me? Wasn't that gracious of me not to let that happen? Those are the kinds of conversations he's been trying to have, God's been trying to have with us all along. He's been trying, God has been trying to reveal truth to us, to replace those lies so that he can replace our brokenness with wholeness once again. So this brings us to Ephesians chapter 4. This, that's a background for what Paul says to in this letter to the folks in Ephesus and to us as followers of Jesus. He says this to everybody, everyone, by the way. Anyone who's in the world, uh, who's a human being, needs to hear this, whether they're following Jesus or not. Um, but those of us who, in particular, who believe in him and want to follow Jesus need to hear this. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 17, we're going to read down to ver through verse 25. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. Now I'm going to pause for a moment because... It's really easy for us to get caught up in all the days and to think that and to get the impression that Paul's doing this. They're bad, bad people. Don't be like them. So I want you to know that back a little earlier in the letter, the same letter, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, he said this. We all did it. We all did it. Doing what we felt like doing, when we felt like doing it. All of us are in the same boat. So yes, he said, don't live like the Gentiles. But he's also said, we're all in the same boat. We're all like that. We've all done this. We've all believed all these different kinds of lies. And we've all had 
crazy thinking. Oh, I'm sorry, his words were the futility of their thinking. We're all in the same boat. Verse 20, coming back here to chapter 4, verse 20. That, however, that way of thinking, that, that mess, that, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Verse 25, here's the key to what we want to look at, look at and talk about this morning or today. Lay aside every falsehood, lay aside, having laid aside falsehood, each one of you speak the truth. Or another translator puts it this way, having put away falsehood as an entire way of life, live speaking the truth. Dr. David Thompson was one of the family friend and professor, uh, points out that truth-telling universally fosters health. Falsehood universally destroys relationships. In other words, everything that's wrong with our world, globally, nationally, and in families and individually, is based on what I said before, falsehoods. But telling the truth makes us healthy. So that's the sermon in a sentence. I want you to remember this. Honesty liberates us. Honesty liberates, but lies lock us up. Honesty liberates, but lies lock up. This means this idea of I mean, being done with falsehood and speaking the truth means that we're going to be done with all the games in which we speak something other than the truth, blaming or pacifying people or trying to distract them or, or manipulating them or bullying them or confusing them. It involves setting aside the rules that perpetuate falsehood and saying we're not going to talk about that kind of stuff. We're not going to uh, we're not going to uh, ask questions. You can you can ask me any question except for that one. No, for that one. Uh, speaking the truth implies that we're going to confess our needs. We're going to be open and honest about how we've been hurt and how we may have hurt others. Honesty liberates. Lies lock us up. Now, that sentence is short. 
like six words long. You can say it quickly. But I'm going to tell you, you need to buckle up because this is a lifelong journey. This is a trip that's going to take a lifetime. Honesty liberates us, except that the falsehoods that we've believed are infiltrated through so much of our thinking that we can't discern truth from lies on our own. This futility of mind that Paul's talking about, that we're all caught up in to one degree or another, involves... So here's my picture. Please forgive me. I'm a food guy. You can't tell by looking at it. It's a bowl of spaghetti. But to make matters worse, the spaghetti's all tied together in some way, shape, or form. So you, you know how sometimes, well, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I make spaghetti, it sticks to itself. And you try to eat like you just want a fork full and half the plate comes up. Yeah, okay, that's what I'm talking about. When I say it's complex, pervert, pervasive confusion, that's what I'm talking about. That's my visual picture of that. It's the spaghetti that just like half the plate, you're going, I don't want half the plate. And you know good and well that what you want to do is grab your knife and cut up the spaghetti but you know your Italian friends will scream if you cut your pasta. Um, it, this, this futility of mind is an utter delusion about who we are, who God is, and what other people, who other people are. It, it, it's a, it, we're, we're confused and deluded about everything that we've experienced, what reality really is. What we think, everything we think is normal. This is when everything we think is normal is screwed up. Because everything we think is normal is saturated with these lies. And it takes a long time with the God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit's help to start teasing these things apart. And going, oh, there's another one. Oh. 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 Becoming mature, becoming more and more like Jesus, which is our goal. And Jesus wasn't saturated with these lies because Jesus is the truth. He was the ultimate expression of the truth. It was the ultimate way of God trying to reveal it to us what the truth is about who we could be and who he is. Becoming like Jesus takes a long time. And there are probably going to be a lot of rest stops along the way. It is not something we can hurry. You do not stick people in a microwave and three minutes later out pops a perfect person. Like if you stick somebody in a microwave, there is something wrong with you. Yeah. <laughs> you, you have believed some really bad lie. 
okay? Becoming mature is, and learning the truth is a complex process. It is not something that can be simplified. There are no shortcuts. And there's, there's no way of going, I've arrived. Unless you've woken up in, in the presence of God himself, and, and there's no guarantee that he's going to say, well, yes, you've arrived with me, and now we're really going to get to work. We, we really don't know what's going to happen when we finally meet Jesus face to face. What he's going to do with us. We, we know we're going to be like him eventually. So how are we going to break these chains? How are the chains of falsehood that have been forged all over us and around us personally and collectively and globally ever going to be broken? How are we ever going to be liberated? Well, he's going to have to start individually. The, the problem started individually. The answer came as an individual. The answer was, is Jesus. The problem started with individuals. It grows with individuals. And the answer came with an individual. And the answer is God's holy love that carries the healing power and the liberating power of revealing the truth. The first truth it reveals to us is it no matter what I may be thinking and no matter what other people may be saying and no matter what the things may look like, I don't know what the, the circumstances may be saying, seem to be saying everything to the opposite. I can trust God because there's nobody that loves me like he does. I'm convinced of that. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection break the chain of that falsehood. We can be released from that lie. And as we're released from that lie, we can be released from the lie that, that, that we can figure out what's best for ourselves. And that what we think is good is probably better for us than what God thinks is good for us. It still takes time to get all that process because we need to learn to keep receiving Jesus' holy love and then we need to learn how to share that love. That's our lifelong task. If we're following Jesus, our lifelong task is to receive and to share. Just kind of like breathing is our lifelong task. Inhaling his love and exhaling his love. It's our lifelong task as we're following him. His holy love, as we saw previously, his holy love is beyond explanation, but it is something we can experience. Falsehood started enslaving us as, as humans in the Garden of Eden. And lies have snowballed ever since. Every human being 
is in some way, shape, or form chained by delusions and deceptions and denial to one degree or another. Every time I read Jesus, we, we heard this morning in our, in our Bible reading from John, as Jesus is talking to the people who believed in him, he said to them, if you believe in me, you will be free. And they go, we're Abraham's descendants. We've never been slaves to anybody. Time out. Egypt. Yes, you were slaves to Egypt. Your ancestors were slaves to Egypt for 400 years. And then you guys, your ancestors were slaves to, Egypt, uh, to the Babylonians. And now you got the Romans living here, telling you what to do and where to go and what, and, and what do you mean you're not slaves? Just from that standpoint, you're living in denial. And then Jesus really lowers the bone and goes, anyone who's ever sinned is a slave to sin. Everyone who's living in this world of brokenness is a slave to that brokenness. We're all slaves to that brokenness. Even when we said, stand up and go, no, no, I'm not. I got my act together. The first sign that you don't have your act together is that you're really sure you do. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit seeks to renew our minds, to remake our spirits and our attitudes into Jesus' image to reform our character and our behaviors, and he starts that by showing us the truth. God intends to heal our hurts, our habits, and our hang-ups with Jesus' holy love. So, let's get a little more practical, Mark, because, well, that's the way Mark likes to do things. So, I'm going to give you uh, three, three quick questions to determine... Uh, some things determine some the, the truthfulness of some things that are in your life. And now the first one, uh, the first question you're going to go, well, duh. Is it true? Well, didn't you say we need questions to determine if something was true? Yes, I, I know. One of the biggest mistakes, however, see when thoughts come to our minds. This is one of the biggest mistakes you will ever make in life is to assume that if it's in our head, it must be true. I have a thought, therefore it must be true. That's even worse than going, it's on the internet, it must be true. <laughs> and that's really bad. Okay, so the first thing, it's in my head, does does. Is, does that, no, is it true? Just because it's in my head doesn't necessarily mean it's true. Is it an accurate thought? A lot of stuff will slip past us on that because like I said, we've bought a lot of lies over time and so a lot of things will slip right past us on that question. That's why we have another question. Beyond is it true, we need to ask, is it helpful? Does it move me forward in becoming more like Jesus? Is it 
something that moves me toward being like Jesus or does it keep me stuck? Does it lead to a decision to be like him or does it limit me? Does it generate action or does it make me apathetic? Is it helpful? Is it true? Number one, is it helpful? And here's the one that'll kill these things every single time. These lies are tricky. They can skate past and through the first two questions because there's, but those last questions will undo them every single time. Is it kind? Is it kind to me? After I listen to this thought a few times, how do I feel about myself? Is it kind to the people around me? How do I feel about the people around me? Is it kind about God? Jesus. How do I feel about him after I think about this? When I think about this, does it encourage me? Is it a judgmental thing? Okay, three questions. Is it true? Is it accurate? How does it line up with what I'm learning about Jesus and the Bible and the way things really are in the world? So, okay, things slip by there because we don't know everything. Is it helpful? Does it encourage me to become more like Jesus? Might slip by there, but then is it kind? Is it kind to me? Is it kind to the people around me? Is it kind to the way I feel about Jesus? Is it kind to the way I feel about God? Does it encourage me to love folks? Does it encourage me to love me? And if you're still not sure, here's a really good question. Assuming we're generally healthy, and our friendships are generally healthy. If I repeatedly told a friend of mine this statement, if I really if I said this to somebody else, would they want to be my friend? If I repeatedly said this kind of thing to somebody, that would they stay my friend? What's my three questions? To begin to try to, with the Holy Spirit's help, to try to, all right, is it, True? Is it helpful? Is it kind? But there's something else. Don't go alone. Don't go alone. You cannot 
cannot do this on your own. Even the most introverted introverts need somebody else with them on this trip. And I, and I'm not and I'm I'm talking about yes, you need Jesus, you need the Holy Spirit, you need God working with you, but I'm also talking about somebody with skin on. You need somebody you can bravely confess your hurts and habits and hangups to some fellow fellow followers of Jesus. You need to find a safe group of Jesus followers. James put it this way, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. You need to carefully choose followers of Jesus with whom you can share your confessions. You can't go alone. You need people who can be honest with you and with whom you can be honest and you can feel safe. Eugene Peterson was a pastor who, who, who uh, was instrumental in, in putting together the, uh, the message translation. Any of you have, have uh, maybe have read that or been acquainted with it. Uh, he said, the church is not perfect. It is not, nor was it ever intended to be a gathering of the nicer people in town. God is not fastidious in the company. He, or that's picky. God is not picky in the company he keeps. Uh, there are sinners aplenty, hypocrites in droves, the ill-mannered and unwashed. We will be mightily disappointed if we look around expecting to meet men and women who measure up to the full stature of Christ. These are the men and women who are on the way growing up. Not many of them are there yet. When you're in the church, you find our, we find ourselves among Christians of all ages in all stages of growth. So we need to pick our circle wisely. Look for people committed to speaking the truth in love to each other. People who are willing to experience and to share his love. It's something we do together. Jesus wants you to feel his love and to experience the freedom that his trust, the truth his bring, brings you. His, his holy love has healing power, liberating power for you. For you and me. We can be free of the falsehoods that chain us down. The, the Spirit intends to liberate us and set us free with the holy love so this morning I want to invite you to invite Jesus 
to help you experience his love, to begin again or for the first time, commit yourself to that lifelong trip of, God, we're going to unravel all this mess, Jesus. We're going to sing our prayer this morning. Um, it's a little song. It's simple. It may sound familiar. It may not. It goes like this. Clear my mind, Lord. Clear my mind. May each thought be only of the purest kind. Clear my mind, Lord. Clear my mind. Come take your rightful place and make it thine. That's our prayer. <clears throat> the Lord will clear our minds of those things that aren't true, replace them, replacing them with the truth so that we can trust him, love like he loves.
thank you for uh, connecting with us, particularly those of you who have been online. If you have not joined our Champions Vote Facebook group, please uh, do that. The information is in the description to the event. Those of us who are followers of Jesus, we live in enemy-occupied territory. We don't often think about it this way, but it is true. Our mission is to join King Jesus in a great campaign of sabotage to ultimately undermine evil's rebellion in this world. Now, how do we do that? Well, St. Francis of Assisi had a pretty good outline of what we should do. So whether it's in our hearts or in our world, where there's hatred, spread God's amazing love. Where there's hurt, propagate pardon. Where there is doubt, plant seeds of faith. Where there's despair, infuse hope. Where there's darkness, shine Jesus' light. Where there is sadness, circulate joy. Our mission is clear. You are sent. Go with Jesus.